Say for network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Carl. Brandon couldn't make it. He went camping. What a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. So as a result, I'm not going to talk about Stranger Things because I know you haven't watched it. Any of it. Yeah. And I never will. See if I will. I won't. I got that impression. <laughs> I don't think you've even had Netflix I'm, forever. I actually just turned it back off recently. I had it on and I watched a bunch of Monty Python stuff. Ah, And then okay. I watched a bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> and then I turned it off again. Yeah, I was talking to my boss, Eli, the other day. And he's just like, I'm done with Netflix. They cancel all my shows after one season. And I was like, well, it's not my fault. Your shows suck. <laughs> Mine yeah, get canceled after Watching, what shows is he watching that only last a season? He watches a lot of sci-fi stuff. So all the hard sci-fi stuff oh. that gets one season. There's a lot yeah, of Yeah, and I'm not a big fan, for the most part, of the sci-fi that Netflix makes. Not a big fan. I'm a fan of Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, that might be it. I mean, you haven't watched it. You just said it. You haven't watched, watched any of it. I watched the first episode. <laughs> well, that's about, not any of it, I, Carl. I watched like seven minutes of Winona Ryder freaking out that her kid was missing. And then I was like, man, this is a three hour premiere episode. Then I was like, seven minutes. I'm seven minutes in. Okay. And then I watched something. It's not else. a three hour premiere episode. No, I'm saying it felt like it. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a three hour premiere. And then I realized I've been watching this for seven minutes. Well, I've seen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've seen most. I don't remember. Of- I've seen most of what they've dropped, so we'll talk about that next week when Brandon's here. But we got a lot to get into, so probably shouldn't hesitate too much. But I do want to note, we got a Patreon going. We've got that original IP episode. Next week, we're going to drop a brand new episode. And of course, we've got a bunch of other things that you can listen to that's been pulled off the internet from the years, like box office battles and so forth. I just put one up that you were in, which is uh, CBGB versus Vampire's Kiss. So we get to talk about about Nicolas Cage having a giant meltdown. And I think we're talking about music (laughs) quite a bit with the CBGB one, because just thinking about all the bands that went through there. So I remember that being a pretty good episode. Anyway, so we'll just start with news. So the one portion of news that I have is that Ray Liotta died. We don't know how. I'm just assuming nowadays that that means it's either drugs or COVID. Yeah, When they don't, when the family doesn't talk about it right away, it's usually drugs or COVID. Honestly, I'm sure it wasn't COVID because he was, filming something do you think he like didn't tell anybody on set that he had covid i mean they test and shit right so i will say ray liotta has looked worse and worse over the last decade like noticeably because it could and i was gonna get into this like we don't need to speculate as cause of i don't i don't know i don't know i was just saying generally (laughs) the cause of death is a lot of things but it could have been an embolism there's like a million isms that it could have been he has not looked healthy for a while that's that's fair yeah that's what i'm saying so whether that be drugs or like maybe cancer or something i don't know but yeah or just general unhealthiness yeah maybe he was malnourished maybe I, all he ever ate were he was not nuggets. malnourished i could say that for sure you don't know what he eats he could no he just he he gained a lot of weight gras. <laughs> what if, it's it's not well but okay but when i say nourishment i mean like nutrients you can eat nothing but empty calories and gain a bunch of weight and still be malnourished okay how about that blam 
Anyway, Ray Liotta, most famous for playing we'll Goodfellas. Goodfella. Loved him. He was great in it. But if I'm being honest, everything I saw after that, it was just like shades of Goodfellas. I never like, saw G- Goodfellas, but I mean, Ray Liotta's fine. He's been in a billion things. He never really stank it up. He's fine. No, he he's, does his job. He showed up for work yeah, every day. He's never terrible. Nobody really has any really bad stories to tell about the guy so far. Yeah, it just seems like he was kind of, he blew up with Goodfellas and then it's like everything. He didn't, he didn't have like a tremendous amount of range. He did a very specific thing. I mean, thing. he's got a look. Yeah. He looks dangerous. But he also sounds dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so that narrows your your available roles available to you. That's just going to do it. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's way to go Hollywood. Like, that's how it happens. You know, you have a look or you have a feel about you. They're just going to cast you in that over and over again. And man, if you get your start in anything like gangster related back in those days, too, you could easily just get typecast. I don't know if he did, but the last yeah. thing that I saw him in was the Sopranos movie. There so, you go. yeah, he was playing two characters in it and they were <laughs> both mobbed up. <laughs> so there you go. OK, well, rest in peace. We also lost a couple of Rocky rocker guys. We lost a, somebody from Yes Died. Who cares? <laughs> Not newsworthy, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was newsworthy in that I saw it as a headline, and I don't think I clicked on it. But then there was another guy, too, another music guy. And again, he was like a member of the band, but not like one of the main members, not like the front man of the band. So most people could be forgiven for not remembering his name. Yeah, might have been like a keyboardist or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was a keyboardist. (laughs) And like the only keyboardist that I ever really remember is Bernie Worrell, because he was part Parliament Funkadelic keyboardist, and he also played with Bootsy Collins a bunch, and he also played with Les Claypool a bunch, and he got cancer and died. And like he's in Talking Heads too, he plays with Talking Heads, he's on Stop Making Sense. He's the one on all the cocaine. Yeah. It's like... Like playing the the Star Spangled Banner like a does an organist he's on a bunch of cocaine does an organist count in that pile because I know of Ray Manzarek who played for the Doors that guy count yeah he's a keyboardist okay That's Steve, a keyboardist. Stevie Wonder plays keyboards but he plays everything so I don't think you can necessarily oh there was another guy that died though uh, George uh, Shapiro the the Seinfeld producer oh no shit I yeah. didn't hear that yeah he was like. 89 or something like that. So not a shocker. No, probably not. Well, should we move on to reviews? I think we've got a lot to get into here. Okay. Okay, so I think we should probably start out with the Obi-Wan show here. Did you get a chance to watch those? I saw the first two, yeah. Okay. All right, I wasn't sure because we had zero discussions about it other than when I first started watching it. What was your impression of the show? Well, initially, I... Went into it thinking that it would I would really like to hear as part of the soundtrack this the score for the show. I would like to see an homage to American Pie. Not because I like the song. I actually really, really dislike that song. But I feel like the, we heard all about it in the Black Widow <laughs> episode when we reviewed it. Yeah. What Don McLean, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. That yeah. guy sucks. Anyways, the Weird Al parody is about Anakin and Obi-Wan. I feel like there should be some tribute paid to one of the greatest pieces of fan tribute 
to Star Wars or to any fandom. Like, it's one of the greatest tributes to any fandom. That's what I'll say. Instead, they had John Williams score the entire show. Which is fine. (laughs) Like, I feel like John Williams should... Which is paying tribute to the music of Star Wars. To the music, but not to the tribute. Pay tribute to the tribute. That's what you wanted. Tribute to the tribute. Yeah. Okay. One tribute once removed. So already off on the wrong foot with this show. I don't know. The tra- I feel like the trailer was misleading because it kind of gave you this idea that it was going to be Obi-Wan on Tatooine again, keeping an eye out over uh, Luke. That was the impression that I and, frankly, a lot of other people got. Yeah. Enough that when, after the show aired, just today I read an article about it that was talking about the secret second second lead of the show, which turns out this show is the Obi-Wan and Leia show. Yeah. Leia gets, well, maybe, maybe. Oh, it fucking better be because Leia is awesome. I feel like this is going to be the Obi-Wan with big Vader spots. I think there's going to be big Vader things over this. Sure. But- I hope Leia stays part of it. Yeah, I think she'll be there. I just don't know how much. Because they're just starting to deepen this character and show more about her. I'm already so into it. She's got an emotional depth to her character that is uh, rare, even among people our age, let alone people her age. She's supposed to be 10 on the show. She almost looks like younger than 10, but she has... Of she's presence channeling and, Carrie Fisher for sure in this, and like, like it feels like she it. shows her character is a has shows a depth that is like very uncharacteristic for somebody that age. But I think that that is part of her being a force tuned, you know, attuned person. I think that's part of it. Could like, be. I never thought of it. I guess. Like I just felt like she was raised to be royalty from a young age, so. She but she's not like the other. That. She's but. But it, I mean, even even if you think about separate, what sep what truly separates her from those people is that she's force sensitive and they're not. Yes, they're and they may be royalty, the biggest villain in the galaxy. They may be royalty, <laughs> but she's like fucking wizard royalty. And the way that it presents in her, the way the midichlorians present in her blood, <laughs> is by giving her an a deeper emotional intelligence that develops faster, and she's like. I don't know. That's what I think. That's my theory on the whole I thing. always thought it was because she was trained to be royalty from the time she was born. And so she acts that way. Like, that's kind of how I read it. So even looking back at A New Hope, which granted is retcon because I don't think Lucas wanted them to be brother and sister initially. I think he had a different character in mind. It's a whole different rant. Right, right. But Luke was naive and kind of an idiot. And she was very sharp and very quick and understood the stakes and everything and very quick to like cut down people when they needed to be cut down and very regal when she needed to be regal. Like she had all of that. She was like perfect ambassador from the very get go of that movie. And so I just feel like it was the upbringing. I thought she was brought up by whatever Jimmy Smith's character's name is. I I can't remember Bail Organa. And I think he did a really good job of raising her. That's just how I look at it. It's the difference between having uncle Owen (laughs) raise you and having like Bail Organa. Cologne's a good guy. Yeah, he did show some good guys. It's the first time we saw something legit good from him. 
at this. Oh, whenever you see a gruff guy like that, they're always like gruff for a reason. You know, they're like, they're just a simple, they're simple and kind and they don't waste time with pleasantries, but they have like a pure solid heart of goodness. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's, that's always been Owen has always been that in my mind has always just been like simple goodness, you know, no showy. Don't, don't his love language is just gruff. You know, I mean, that He's whole like thing of ox. like where uh, his wife is like, you know, he just wants to be with his friends at the academy. He's got so much of his father in him. And he's like, that's what I'm afraid of. I mean, that's a pretty good reason when you realize who his yeah. father is. But and like even the way he treats Obi-Wan is like, yeah, <laughs> he's I've got no love for the Jedi. Like, <laughs> it's like he ain't lying. <laughs> he can say that and be telling the truth. Yeah. But he was also willing to die. Can I go back to the decision to have it be Leia instead of Luke that he's going after? I thought that was great because so many people peg that as Luke. And in my head, it never made sense. Like I was willing to go along the ride if that's where they were going. But I always thought like, Luke seems like he would have to be unaware of Obi-Wan. And so it doesn't make sense that he'd be going across the galaxy to rescue him because we did see enough of that in the trailers. Like I was watching it and there was like desert parts and then there was definitely not desert parts, right. you know, like. There but I didn't think that clearly... had anything to do with Luke at that point. I thought I, maybe he was going to be like, I have to leave to protect him kind of Yeah, thing. I guess I heard that theories coming up and I didn't put any stock in it, but I didn't dismiss it. I just didn't think about what it was going to be. I really didn't think about this show at all before I watch it. I just watched it. Yeah, for the most part. And maybe that's why I enjoyed it. Typical Star Wars reception where it's like a lot of people bitching and a lot of people. Yeah, and I I like Ewan McGregor. And that kid that plays Leia is fucking great. Yes. And Jimmy Smith is great. Yes. And Kumail is great. You know what's funny is somebody was pointing out, I like that Jimmy Smith shows up to get the Jedi before he even talks to his army. He just like flies way out to another planet. And I'm like, you got to keep in mind this is star wars they have the cheat code where they have warp drive all the time so like that's like a five minute trip for him dude. (laughs) (laughs) he's got all the money in the world he doesn't have to worry about fuel so yeah they've got space magic yeah exactly they don't have to worry about time constraints or physics (laughs) or any of that shit it's part of what makes star wars fun is you don't have to worry about that shit you just warp over and you're there not warp sorry that's star trek but you hyper drive over (laughs) (laughs) and then and the emperor says, I have a million ships. Great. <laughs> and a podcast. Congratulations. Palpatine. Uh, I enjoyed that they spent a lot of the first episode just hanging with Obi-Wan and just showing how he's like broken. I thought that was good <laughs> to spend an episode really showing like, yeah, he's fucking beaten down like. His entire order fucking lost this thing. They've been wiped out. The ones who are remaining are getting killed. If he does anything even remotely Jedi-like, he'll get killed too. And I remember being like when the episode first first started, I was like, damn, are we going to watch these six Jedi kids get murdered? And then yeah. we didn't. But I mean, it's kind of implied. <laughs> it's implied that they're fucked or it's implied that maybe those kids wind up being Inquisitors because the Inquisitors yeah. are all either fallen Jedi or they're Force-sensitive people that they Do then Do you think Reva was one of those kids? I, Should we go back know. and relook at that first scene and see if we can spot a young Reva? It's possible. We should look for Reva in that opening scene because there's got to be something that connects back to that, that that's connecting to in the future of the show. Cause that was like, other than saying 
Hey, check out what Order 66 is like. Fucked up, huh? So far, nothing since then has been directly about Order 66. So that scene is relevant to a character. And of all the characters we've been introduced to, Reva makes the most sense. Yeah, and we me. didn't see Obi-Wan in the scene, so it's not nope. like it was a flashback for him. Nope. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. And if it's not Reva, it might be somebody else. It could even be a thing that Anakin is going to ruminate on later. And I say Anakin, I guess he's Vader at this point. But yeah, like it could be that there's more to that flashback Vater, we haven't seen Vader, yet. Vader, Dark Vader, Father. Yeah. Dark Father. <laughs> Which is not true it, it doesn't actually mean that but lucas sure did say it <laughs> well i'm pretty sure for people not knowing at some point in an interview george lucas said it was german for dark father or something like that and it's not he just well darth is not a german word yeah he but just made he just is very close to the german word for father it's similar but it's still not right like he fucking made it up There's... he made it up so he if donated... he says that it means that it doesn't mean it in german but we but also if he says it means it then it means it. we also know that he lies about the things that he said because like he donated all of these notes to the smithsonian <laughs> and then and we like, read his notes yeah and then they read the notes and like <laughs> you can see i swear to god he is going through names for darth vader and he hits on the darth one for sure like he comes up with darth but he starts going up with alternative names and he finally lands on vader but before that he gets to smith darth <laughs> anderson like it's all of this stuff it's i had crazy. it all from the very beginning I knew it all just came to me. Like, we'd like to think that the creators of these things that we love that are so well realized are like that the creations themselves are like somehow this, like, oh, it was destined to be that way. When people talk about Batman doesn't kill, Superman doesn't kill, it's like, it's like we think that these characters have s somehow willed themselves into existence, complete with their own set of, of rules that must be followed. Otherwise, we may destroy the very integrity of this character and then it will just dissolve into ash before our eyes and no longer even exist. <laughs> and then we've and the only thing we'll be left with is a sense of like inexorable loss kind of delve falling into like a Werner Herzog <laughs> a little bit but like and then and then they like tie their identity that's where your, your big mistake don't tie your identity into all that yeah because then when somebody's just like hey I'm Kevin Smith and I'm gonna write a comic book where Batman <laughs> tells a story about peeing his pants because he was scared and then he pees <laughs> his pants and you're like oh no <laughs> This character that I once thought was infallible has shown the slightest weakness. Well, My whole identity unravels. <laughs> and even that, even that, I, I have that book. It's it's the widening gyre. Mm -hmm. And uh, he walks by a steam pipe as he gets punched. And the steam pipe is what, like, it causes he an He describes it as an involuntary yeah. bowel yeah. movement. Yeah. Not a, I peed myself. But, like, and that's the thing, too. Is I, like, I think it's pissed himself. Does, I don't think it's, like... like does yeah. Batman sneeze? You know? That, yeah, he's still a human. He still has to deal with irritants getting in. Well, maybe not in the comic book universe. Those things. Pollen doesn't exist in the comic book world of D the DC universe. It's true. Nobody ever has an allergy. <laughs> Nobody ever has an allergy. It's crazy. Yeah. Nobody ever takes Benadryl when the 
MCU. Well, going back to Obi Wan, Magic Space Wizard Land. Yeah, going back to Magic Space Wizard Land. I enjoyed <laughs> that one of the Inquisitors took out the odd-looking Inquisitor just right away. <laughs> that was the one that it was like, ooh, the live action rendering of this character isn't so good. And then he died right away. And it was like, okay, so Filoni knew this too. And was so just like, you Let's mean take in the second the episode, he got stabbed. Yeah. Sh- and now that was an interesting choice too, because I think that for people that are familiar with things like Star Wars Rebels. Yes. Uh, which I am. That character, the Grand Chancellor or whatever, is like a major antagonist in that cartoon. Eh. Like for a season. But he's alive. Right? Yeah, yeah. And Rebels, I'm pretty sure, is taking place after this show. So I don't know if he's changing it or if, you know, apparently a lot of the aliens from whatever planet that guy is from. Yeah, it could just be. They it's all a look very one. similar. It's hard to say, too, because they have titles. They don't have names. Right. So, I mean, for me, at the end of the day, who cares? That was the biggest nitpick that I saw online, I'll say, was, okay, actually, the biggest nitpick that I saw online, which I must say. I do. He may not be dead, by the way. I do agree with this complaint about mostly the second episode, but it's not a big enough complaint that it's not something I would have brought up on my own. It's just that I noticed it get repeated a lot on the internet. And it was the force parkour sequence that Reva does as she's running across the rooftops to like get to. Uh, she sees that she's on the rooftops. She's sent all these bounty hunters after Obi-Wan. He's shoot having a shootout with them, still trying to hide the fact that he's a Jedi. So he's shooting with the blaster. Pew, pew, choo, choo. And they're shooting. And she's up on the rooftops and she's been waiting for this. She sees the laser fire go back and forth. And so she starts like parkour running across the rooftops and it's fucking bad. At one point she like does a backflip up a level and doing a backflip forward always looks weird. But then as soon as she lands, she immediately does another front flip and it's like, it's poorly executed and it's poorly rendered. Can I say on the rendering thing really quick? I didn't notice that. And I went back and watched a She-Hulk trailer after we recorded the episode and I didn't notice the bad CGI in there. And I think I've just hit an age now where I don't notice the new bad CGI. So like I can still, it still hits me over the head like a ton of bricks when it's older bad CGI, but I just don't notice the new stuff anymore. I just think like, I don't notice the nuance that other people do. You know how like older people just don't give a fuck about things and I, don't notice things? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm sure it's there because everybody's pointing it out all the time. I just can't see it I'm anymore. A, I'm a young person. I don't know. <laughs> You're a few years Um, younger, so. (laughs) Forever young. I did read some articles about the She-Hulk thing that were saying that one of the problems was that the YouTube videos were were poorly compressed or something. And if you watch the trailer on Disney Plus versus on YouTube, that actually makes a huge difference. Interesting. Just watching it on Disney Plus where their bandwidth can handle the streaming, blah, blah, blah. It's a technical thing. I don't know. I, for this sequence... I did kind of notice that it was not great. And I did definitely notice when Obi-Wan basically teleported to the ground. Like he was on the rooftop going like, force grab, saber. And then she's like, stops it. And then she drops. And then he just kind of walks around the corner. (laughs) And it's like, 
They should have showed him jump down. They should have showed him jump down. Now, I get that he did that. And my suspension of disbelief was only wavered slightly at that moment where I was like, Meh. they'll show her running across rooftops endlessly and they completely skip behind him just getting to ground level. That seemed like eh, slight misstep, you know, but in an otherwise very well executed. Now, I also noticed him teleporting to the bottom of the thing. And it did stick out to me. And then I completely forgot oh, yeah. about it until you it said it. Who gives a but fuck? Like, it was noticeable. You know in what the that was? That was, we are saving money on the budget. And so we're just going to like do the close up on Leia and have it people feels, assume. It feels that he gets like out. something got edited out. Yeah. It feels like it, it. it's a rare, it's a rare moment where a layman like me feels like they've spotted a cut. Yeah. And that may not even be true. You know, they may, they may not have been a scene right there that got cut out or a sequence that got a series of frames. But fuck, it feels like it did. It feels like something happened there. Either either they had to cut it or they were just specifically mm. like, we don't have money in the budget to do something where he's just jumping down. So we'll just have him be there. Did you recognize this episode's big cameo? That wasn't Kumail Nanjian. <laughs> that was the one I was gonna go with. Uh, the head, the head, uh, the the three, the three kidnappers, the head kidnapper. Oh right. Do you know right. who that was? I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying he's to remember. Those, he's got. I did know who it was. I'm trying to remember that, who the fuck it that, was. Though. That big gap in his two front teeth is a pretty recognizable. Yeah, feature. right. It's flea. Right. Flea yeah. from Red Hot. Chili I was trying peppers. to. I was trying to remember. It feels <laughs> the like, only member of the Red Hot Chili. To peppers be clear, I watched. That I care about. I watched these episodes <laughs> at like I started watching them at six in the morning on Friday when they dropped, and it just feels like it's been an eternity since then. I've been working a lot, so yeah. well, and I have filled in the space since watching the other thing we're going to review. So let's get to that. Do we have any final thoughts? No, I like it. I'm looking, looking forward, forward to more. more. Yeah. yeah. So before we get into the big thing, I just want to do a little thing to lead into this. I watched the Pentaveret which is Mike Myers' new right. show. And the reason I bring this up... Did you watch the whole thing? No, I watched two episodes. Okay. I was intending on watching the, the whole thing, even though I didn't like it very much. And then Stranger Things dropped and Kids in the Hall dropped. And I was like, no. Like, I, <laughs> no. I got I got better things to To the watch. wayside with you. And honestly, it was Kids in the Hall dropped. And I immediately went over there. But when I went into this, I went into it with good faith being like, okay. Mike Myers is like a dude that I've loved at points and like haven't loved at points, but it's been a while. Like I've just seen him do little tiny things since then. I want to give him a shot. And this series is just everything that people got sick of with Mike Myers is just like multiplied in the show. You were talking about how you're sick of watching him play so many characters, right? The maximum right? number two. of characters is that anybody should play in a movie is two. And two is fine. I like a movie where a guy plays two characters. I'm okay with Cheech Marin playing three that never interact in, uh, from Dust Till Dawn. That was pretty fun. Yeah, that's... Monty Python does it a lot, right? Like, they play multiple yeah, characters. Yeah, but their movies are basically vignettes anyways. Yeah, yeah, they But other than be. that... There's some exceptions. Mike Myers does not get the exception card in this, right? Like, he gets no, two. Oh, he doesn't, because that's not how he works. Like, Mike Myers can play as many characters as he wants when he does sketch comedy. So he, But when he's doing one single property, like uh, Austin Powers 1, 
was good. He played two characters. Austin Powers, Dr. Evil. Austin Powers 2, he throws in Fat Bastard. Fucking ruins it. Fat Bastard is one of the worst characters I've ever I seen in a really movie. I really like the sequel, but I did not like Fat Bastard. Worse. I adamantly did not Bad, like him. Terrible. And Gold Member was also terrible. Terrible. Like, although, terrible character. Although I have a former co-worker that used to say, I love gold. And his impression, <laughs> well, I loved his impression of that character more than I liked the character. We did, when we smoked pot, we always used to do pipe in a pancake. Like, we used to do that all the time. Cause, yeah, okay, gold. And then he was like, there is no pleasing you then. But I don't like the character. I'm kind of the, starting the line was to funny. doubt my own. <laughs> I may have to just... You may have to check it out. I may have to... Well, no, no, no. I may have to uh, uh, abandon my earlier statement. But Rat Bastard's still terrible, ones. dude. Fat Bastard is a terrible character. Sorry, not Rat Bastard. Fat Bastard. Yeah. It's clearly... He's a terrible character. It's the kind of humor that is just kind of comes off as mean. Yeah. Spirited. So the Pentaverant is like, this is supposed to be a secret organization, but they're good. That's the whole tagline. They let yeah. you know in every episode at the beginning. And Keegan-Michael Key comes in. He's supposed to be this scientist who's like working on something and they have him killed off in a really stupid way. They're saying it's like so the anus challenge. Like he's trying to like <sighs> lick his anus or something and then dies doing that to the world. So they bring him into the secret organization and Mike Myers plays the other four members plus the fifth member who died plus like somebody who helps him out with some things plus like a character who's on to them who's like helping out some other helping right. out another Mike Myers character who's a weatherman like I counted it. The first episode, he plays 10 characters in the first episode, man. You have Keegan-Michael Key there, and he doesn't give him a lot in the show. And then Mike Myers is playing, like, everybody around him. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. But furthermore, the comedy feels like it was from the 90s. Like, yeah. he has not evolved his comedy. It's still catchphrase comedy. Like, every single character has a catchphrase that they go back to over and over again. Like, he's got a Russian character. And that character just, they, they keep going back to, he says something that's like ridiculous and confusing. And then everybody looks at, and somebody will be like, he's Russian. Like that's their excuse for everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just like catchphrase after catchphrase Bad. after catchphrase. And so I finished the show and I'm like, this is not very good. Like, this is exactly what, pe if you, if you got sick of Mike Myers, you're not going to like this show because it's more of the same. And I mean, like literally more of that. But, like, it's, like, the same squared. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot of the things that, that people got tired of with Mike Myers. So then I go to watch Kids in the Hall. And once again, going to this with good faith, hoping it's good, willing to give it, you know, a little bit of a leash because I'm just, like, it's probably not going to be as good. These guys are, like, 60 now. You know, that's okay. As long as, like, it makes me laugh a couple of times, I'll be okay. And I was fucking shocked that like I would hold up this new season with their old seasons. Like it's oh, yeah. fucking as great. Good. It was shocking how good it as was. As good, if not better. There are, there are sketches in the new season that have broken into my top sketches of all time from kids in the hall. Yeah. Like, holy shit. There are some, and they, and they've got some good ones. Like they've got like their citizen Kane sketch and they've got their freaking dock worker that can't stop saying ascertain sketch and just all these amazing things that they've done. <coughs> and now they've just added even more to that. 
it's the same formula, you know, it's slightly different due to the fact that they're on Amazon Prime. So like there's more dicks. There's more dicks. There's, there's a lot uh, more dicks. There's more swearing than there was before. They always had some, but but it was a lot. It was few and far between. There were definitely they were pushing the line in the 90s and now they're pushing the line in you know for the 2020 yeah, you know. But what's fascinating is they're also not pushing it in a the, in a in a regressive no. way. They're still progressive. In their 60s or there's stuff where like there's two cops that are being hunted by the police and so one of them's like, "Hey, they were looking for robbers who were criminals. clothed, yeah. right?" And so they like take off their clothes and then they take them out of the car. <laughs> and like this is an example of how they push the line, they're right? Just like fully nude. They and come uncensored. out and they're nude. And then the cop doesn't know what to do. So he's like, turn around. And they like turn around and show off their ass. And like they come back and you see their dicks and they like jump up and down. And they're like jumping yeah. up and down. So you just see it like flopping around. I'm like, pretty sure these guys aren't wearing any clothes. Yep, yeah. Twigs and berries bouncing all over the place. These guys are definitely not the guys we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's totally cool. And they get back in the car and uh, Kevin McDonald is going to put on a sweater and he's like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no. Keep, keep the facade going. And so they drive off and there's two piles of clothes clothes on the road and they see the piles of clothes and then they immediately just unload their guns into the clothes no they see the clothes <laughs> but then the clothes vanish yeah you're missing you're remembering i don't think the clothes vanish the I... clothes vanish all right they just are there on the two piles of clothes and like you hear on the radio it's like two suspicious piles of clothes on the ground behind this place might be connected to the bank robbery but they say like might be connected but then the clothes just like disappear and they are like, what? They're gone. And then they go to get in their car and they're like pointing their guns at the crowd that's watching and pointing their guns at each other and clearing the car as they're trying to get into the car and taking way too long to get into the cop car. Being typical and competent police. Yes. Like they, they rarely. These are characters we've seen before. <laughs> as smart. Like I just watched a sketch from the old series where they're trying to get Scott Thompson's like a long haired biker guy smoking a cigarette and in, in a interrogation room and they're trying to get him to confess. They're like, tell us that you did it. And he's just like, Nope. And they're just like, damn, <laughs> are you sure you didn't do it and forgot about it? Yeah. Or like... they'll be like, uh, no, he goes, he goes, uh, Oh man, you know, I killed a guy once. It was awesome. Hey, have you ever killed anybody? He's like, yeah, hell yeah. I've killed somebody. Yeah, it was great. How about you, man? You've killed two, right? And the guy's like, nope. And they're like, damn it. I guess <laughs> peer pressure only works with smoking. <laughs> <They're> just... <laughs> or they like, they try to get him real comfortable. And so they're like, well, you need, you want a drink? You want a soda? And then they give him a soda. And he's like, hey, I, I, let's get a TV in here and watch some TV. And so like all three of them are sitting there watching some cartoon and just laughing uproariously, having a great time. And it's like, Oh, here's a commercial. Did you kill him? Nope. <laughs> He's just like, so cool. This show starts out with the selling of a VHS copy of brain candy at like a yard sale for a dollar. Right. Which breaks the curse because they've now the movie is broken. Even. Yes. After 30 odd years, <laughs> they finally broke even 
with the final dollar and at you a find, garage sale. You find this out because you get uh, Mark McKenna, who's like playing, his, doing his Lorne Michaels impression from Brain Candy, right? Where he's just like, mm, like mm, the curse is broken. Yeah. And then the devil, too, is like down in hell. And then he suddenly like turns his head and he's like, the curse is broken. And so with the very last sketch of the original run of the series, when they end it, they bury them underground and so they like did the thing where they like dug them up and they're sitting there like right away just setting the tone like we're gonna do this a little bit different but it's gonna be the same style of humor like they're all butt naked in there and they're looking at each other and screaming because they look older and then kevin mcdonald's like if you look that terrible i must look awful (laughs) (laughs) which by the way kevin mcdonald has held up the least of all of them dude wow yeah, he's, he's like aged though. Oh no, he's They're hilarious. So great, and uh, you know what's funny is, well, we'll get into that. In I think minute, Scott but... Thompson held up the the best. If I have to say, like physically, look, and we saw all of their physicality. So yeah. <laughs> I think Scott Thompson held up the best. They've certainly outgrown their modesty. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, man, it's a great season it's eight episodes i wish it was more i hope they get another season but i think that they're they've said in interviews that they're back basically whether they do another season for amazon or they do something else they are like hard at work to do more shit it really fucking here for it it. really felt like they were gearing up for another season at the end of that because they end with a cliffhanger dude (laughs) which is can they write a cliffhanger in time before their final episode of the season ends. Right. And also, it's four of so them meta. all together, crouched around a computer, all like mashing their hands over the computer <laughs> while Mark McKinn is doing whatever character he's doing. And like at some points, it's like French. And at some points, it's like it's like this really intense guy like going over monologues or whatever. It just keeps changing. But oh, that shit was funny, man. So I love the kids of the... in the hall characters that made a return we saw the two french girls yes they're like in the in the old episode it was like uh, oh i'm just thinking of i'm just thinking of michael and is he thinking of me and is he thinking about me and whether or not he wants to be with me and like they turns out he's under the blanket the whole time and then uh (laughs) we saw and his feet atrophied and then oh the other the other return character we saw was the eradicator yes yes who is like just a wonderful bruce mccullough creation (laughs) this guy that wears a a ski mask so that his identity is hidden while he rises the squash ranks (laughs) i feel like it was like jim kind of a a wrestling luchador thing in the original well it was like i mean they did a lot of things with it but i think he mentions i just watched the original eradicator sketch as well and he's like saying i will climb the ranks of the this chapter of the squash ranks and when i reach the top then and only then will i reveal my true identity and and then the guy beats him the guy actually beats him at at squash and so he's like there in the showers afterwards and Kevin McDonald's like scrubbing his soap on his chest and he's <laughs> and Bruce McCullough's just in his ski mask, his ski mask <laughs> soaking wet, just hanging off his face. And he's like, do you want to unmask me? And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. He's like, it's your right. And he's like, no, nah, I don't care. And then he's saying, hey, come on, cheer up. Like there's always volleyball. And so then Eradicator's like, 
Eradicator playing volleyball. And uh, he comes back. Apparently, he's been in a coma for 30 years right. or whatever. And so he wakes up and everything's changed for him. And he has to, like, reacclimatize to a new world. Uh, we also... we oh, had crushing the, your head guy. That's what I was going to yeah. say. We had that sketch where Bruce McCullough is playing the... Uh, Mark McKinney is. Super drunk. Oh, super drunk. Yeah, he's yeah. always such a good dad. Bruce McCullough. They're all good at so yeah, it many things. Yeah, starts out with this with this little girl, his little girl coming up to him and be like, Dad, have you ever gotten drunk? And he's like, no. And then it turns out he's actually a superhero every time he gets drunk. Kind of. Like, he's just doing fucked up things because he's drunk. And his sidekick is the bartender played by Dave Foley. He's just like, keeps getting him to take shot after shot after <laughs> shot. And then finally, like, his big villain is the crushing your head guy. He's like looking at the Eiffel Tower and ready to crush it. <laughs> that Which like nobody was even French, dude. <laughs> I I watched some of the old crushing your head sketches and and some of them are really bad. Like it's interesting because that's the most famous character from Kids in the Hall. Probably. It, it is, man. Yeah. I mean, like, not necessarily with the fans, but that's the one that's crossed over that everybody yeah. knows. But like there's not really very many notes to it, you know? It's mostly just well, like... each sketch was like its own kind of journey, you know? Like, the, yeah. it, the first sketch that introduces you to the character is pretty boring. Because it's just like him crushing people's heads while they walk by, right? That's pretty boring. Yeah. But then, like... It's funny one, the first time you see it, the, though. It's very see, funny but, the and first time. every sketch is... And then, like, the next time you see the character, he's crushing the heads of these construction workers, and, like, they walk up to him and one of them like breaks his finger right. and so then he has to go through rehab and he's like <laughs> they keep doing these things where he's like walking with his fingers and he's like his fingers are like stumbling oh 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 my and then he like eventually he's like doing freaking like hurdles with his fingers <laughs> it's like that is not how any of that works but he's doing physical therapy and he's like he gets back into his gets his strength back and like well, my favorite is when they introduce other people into his world. Like at one point he has like a nemesis that like pinches faces. And then there's another guy. There's a Kevin McDonald has a character where every time he tries to crush his head, he, he, would go, he catches it. But also yeah. he'll go, nobody home. There's nobody home. And he like puts his thumb in front of your face so that you can't see. Like my entire thumb right now is covering your whole head. And that doesn't mean I'm crushing your head. That means that there's nobody home. And they like go back and forth. He's like, I'm crushing it. Yeah. Like they're dodging each other. And like <laughs> when, when two people are playing the head crushing game and they're like fully immersed in the head, like the rules of it, you know, they're like role playing it out. And they, they always occasionally pull back where you see crowds walking by, like and kind of they just are looking at so them. Like, <laughs> and it's, beautiful it's like a beautiful thing it's ugh, we can't talk anymore about individual sketches because we could literally do that for as long yeah i could well, talk we should about talk every about the single sketch we should talk about the documentary that amazon put down that the kids in the hall did which is really fucking good like i think yep. if you're a kids in the hall fan you need to watch this. I knew a bunch of You'll stuff that was in there, stuff. but I learned a lot. Yeah. Like I, it occurred to me, I did not know their story at all. At I all. I mean, I knew like chunks of it. I knew the stuff about when they were filming, when death comes to town and Scott Thompson was dying from cancer. And he felt like that whole project saved him because it gave him something to get up 
and work for in the morning. Like, I heard him talking to Marin about it. But, like, there was even details on that that I hadn't heard. But, man, oh, man. Like, it was fun. I never would have imagined that Kevin McDonald and Dave Foley started together. Yeah, that they Like, for some reason, I always thought... I, I never thought that those two were uh simpatico it just never occurred to me i mean all of them have good chemistry with each other yeah i think that we've talked about i think we've talked about the makeup of that group before and been completely wrong like we were we've gotten our yeah i one thing that i know i was wrong on and i know why i was wrong now was with dave foley because i had gotten the impression that Dave Foley was somewhat apart from the group. Like in, in Monty Python, it's Eric Idle. Like Eric Idle was an orphan. And so he wrote alone and everybody else wrote in teams. And I remembered seeing these DVD extras for kids in the hall. And like Dave Foley, it seemed like the way that he talked about them and the way that they talked about him, that like he was somewhat separate from the group. But now I'm realizing the time frame in which that probably happened. Was Brain was, Candy? Yes. Yeah, when he wanted to, to go, have been around that time. He wanted to go do news radio, and they felt kind of betrayed by him going to do his own thing. Yep. And so they had this giant falling out when that ended, and uh, they didn't make up for a couple of years, it seemed like. Quite a long time. I didn't even ever think of them as having ever broken up, broken up, you know? Yeah, I didn't either. Because it seemed like they were constantly... I would always hear about them doing something on stage, like a tour... Or, like, occasionally, like, I guess Death Comes to Town or something like that. But I didn't really think about them as being broken up either. I did not realize there was so much tension in the series. Because they they talked about how, like, by the time they were around the fourth season, they were just fighting constantly about every single sketch. But apparently that led to a good fifth season because they knew they were ending it, so they weren't worrying about stuff as much. You know, I think that... One of the secret sauces of this group of the kids in the hall is the fact that they all just really love each other. Dude, it's so evident, too. And I mean, like, Dave Foley was talking at one point about the whole news radio thing. And he's like, if that sounds like a betrayal, it's because it is. And then every single person who did something that they, like, call out that's kind of fucked up, they're all just like, yeah, I really fucked up there. And like nobody's holding grudges. Yeah. Like all of them own their own mistakes. That's probably helps that they're like 60 years old now and have lived a whole life. They've all proven themselves outside of the group, too. That's the yeah. other thing is they, like none of there's them. no member where you're like, you're lucky that they were with them. Like Mark McKinney was in Saturday Night Live for a while after that. Like mm-hmm. he wrote for Saturday Night Live for a while and like was on, I think, two seasons. Kevin McDonald, my kid. Like, I talk about the kids in the hall, and she has no idea, and then I'll, like, just play a YouTube clip with Kevin McDonald. She's like, oh, I know that guy. I'm like, yeah. Once you once you don't see all him. all over animation. Everywhere. Dave Foley had, like, news radio, was cameoed in a ton of movies. Scott Thompson just popped up everywhere, dude. He was in Hannibal. Like, he was <laughs> yeah. playing a serious part in Hannibal. Yeah. He was in a bunch of comedies. Um, like in my Bruce McCullough, like directed shit for a long time. Like he did the super underrated stealing Harvard, which I, I fucking love it. I think people are rough on it for no He's good also reason, the but... only one of them that has a kick-ass record. Yeah. Shame-based dude, man. Yeah. Shame-based man is the best, yeah, man. Yeah. We bonded over that one. Yeah, for sure. Cause, Cause those we both approached it like... like the other one had never heard of it. And we were so amazed when yeah. we both knew it. <laughs> those tracks are our sketches. Oh Those my god. Are sketches. When he's talking about the uh 
talking about another day in America and there's like a shooting in the school and everybody's sad because he shot the principal, but then they're happy because they get the day off. They come back a week later. It's another day, another shooting, but everybody's sad this time because it was the vice principal and they don't get the day off. (laughs) (laughs) He just like fucking reduces the fucking nasty tendencies of America in that song, but in such a hilarious offbeat way too. They're all just so fucking talented. And I think that they really love being together because they've all proven themselves. There's no ego left because they all did their own things and they all prove themselves and they're happier together. It seems like. And I like like how their humor is so weird sometimes that there doesn't even have to be a laugh in it necessarily. There's a, an episode of the new season where they're like Dave Foley's this like radio <laughs> DJ yeah. in a post apocalypse and he's like in a bunker and the only with an on air sign and a and, like, very expensive microphone. The only record that he has is like, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. <laughs> it's just, and he keeps calling out the wrong song and it's got this a scratch is in motor it. Motormouth in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like that it, was I've got a brand new pair of roller skates. Like what Melanie is this Melanie with brand new roller skates. Man, she's really getting around on those. And it's it's not even the whole song. Like there's a skip in the groove, so it just plays like a 10 second thing of the song. And you just <laughs> see him looking so sullen in that bunker, just like <laughs> yeah. emotionless, like, just so sullen. He is he he flips the mic on and he's like animated like this is motormouth in the morning and then as soon as he like flips his mic off he's just so crushing sadness <laughs> like you <laughs> feel the weight of it coming down on him keeping him sitting in this chair like his head is just like down oh it's so good and it's not funny but it's hilarious it's the perfect kids in the hall interstitial right like this is something that you always i want to see other people try shit like this you know i it's it's like seeing kids in the hall has almost reinvigorated me to be like see now you motherfuckers have even less of an excuse like you had no excuse to be making the same tired like anti-woke jokes saying oh we can't joke about anything anymore no you can joke about anything because the kids in the hall are joking about everything. Like they're finding jokes and things that you don't even think you can find jokes in, you know, like there is a sketch where <laughs> Kevin McDonald is dressed up as the guy and he goes into a pawn shop to sell a sketch (laughs) and the sketch is a kevin mcdonald sketch and he's like ah this is a pure kevin mcdonald sketch it's got all the the trademark signatures of a oh those aren't those aren't selling anymore like it's got the high-pitched voice (laughs) you know it's got all these different things and then as they're going along like the guy behind the counter is just like hey wait a minute high-pitched voice there's a I'm in a Kevin McDonald sketch. And then he like takes off his beard and he's like, wait a minute. I'm Dave Foley. (laughs) I'm in a Kevin McDonald sketch. And then he tries to leave and Kevin McDonald's like, Dave Foley tries to leave, but he can't because he's trapped in the sketch forever. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) when does I have a family? You can't do this to me. (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) Kevin's just like, Oh, And for them to just, like, shatter the fourth wall like that, like, uh, when you say, like, 
you can't tell jokes anymore. What are you fucking talking about? Just want to make the one joke, which is like the it's the transphobic joke about like I identify this X identifies as Y. And that's the joke. And it's like the same joke over and over and over again. And it's like you look on you just look to the left, look to the left at the infinite possibilities for laughter and joy and sadness and every emotion to the right one fucking tired shitty cruel joke <laughs> like funny people find a way i mean like larry david's a perfect example of this when they were on seinfeld they were constantly told you can't joke about that and you can't say that word so they would always find ways to like do the joke but get it around the sensor. And he said it was always funnier when they did that. So an example is the contest, right? Like we all know what the contest is, but it's because I couldn't say masturbate, jerk off, like any of right. that. So they come up with contest and master of my own master domain. Master of my own domain. That right? Was like I was thinking of. they come up with all of that just to get around it. And it becomes funnier as a result. And that's why you get to curb where he can do anything. And it's still fucking funny because like, he is looking around and finding things to be funny about. Like in a way he could get cancer cultured out, you know, and then, but you know, like he doesn't because he still finds ways to like talk about these things, but be funny about it, be thoughtful about it. Another interesting example might be the uh, Deadpool two and then the PG 13, which is uh, better. Exactly. Yeah. Like the taking the, uh, the, the structure of princess bride applying it to Deadpool 2 in order to cut out all the rated R stuff, that's a kind of a genius move. But it doesn't work unless you make the uncensored version first and then censor it with the the Princess Bride treatment. I think it would still work. I guess you could approach it There was definitely a a wink and a nod that we know what this is. The final thing that I want to say about humor is that a truly, truly good comedian can reinvent himself. And next week when Brandon's back, because I don't want to leave him out of this. Yeah, I didn't either. We'll be talking about one of the great adapters when it came to comedy, a guy who reinvented himself three times before I was even born and then reinvented himself at least two more times after that. (laughs) And there's a great two part documentary about him on HBO max that we're going to review George Carlin. So if George Carlin's out, America, it's a Am- fantastic George Carlin's American dream. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And I'll have watched the last half hour. So he's still alive. Yeah. I watched it. I'm in, like right at his, he's I watched about it to die. one crazy big chunk, dude. <laughs> I watched it all except for, but I had to go to work or something. And so I wasn't able to watch the last half hour. And well, then I spoiler alert. He dies at the end of the doc. Yep. (laughs) Where I'm at, he's with he's just like with a second wife who I didn't even know existed. I didn't either. But we'll get into that next week. Okay. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an anchor account. You can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast, or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Small. 
Zach and Matt discuss some of the best and worst horror movies out there. Check out all four seasons of Watch No Evil. Lauren and Sarah riff on changing topics each week. Whether it's celebrity horoscopes, the poop cruise, or smell-o-vision, you'll laugh along with Dippers. Catch up on pop culture news and reviews every week with Brandon Biggs and Carl on Not Safe for Network. Professor Aaron Donaldson and Purple Heart recipient Charles Horgan break down war movies, their narratives, and the rhetoric behind them on Real War Project. 